my dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, so we're going to talk about how you can get out of YouTube jail and if there actually is one. So let me share a story here, Neil. I was at a dinner a few weeks ago, a CEO dinner in Puerto Rico with a few mutual friends that you know as well. And one of our friends, Patrick Campbell, he did really well, sold a company called ProfitWell, made, made lots of bucks. And it was interesting because we were talking about YouTube and he started publishing maybe about a year ago from the, the state's recording. And he would record all these YouTube shorts that were super high quality. He'd be telling the story. It's animated. He'd do like a whiteboard thing where like, if you're watching the video right now, he'd be like this, right? And like a whiteboard would pop up, right? And then he'd be like instructing. And I was like, man, this is super high quality. But I kept watching the videos. I'm like, man, he's really not getting any play. It's like 75 views, a hundred views or whatever. And, but he's spending like, probably like we're talking five figures a month or so, um, on this. Right. And like, it takes a lot of time to do the recuts, the reshoots and all that to tell these good stories. And it's a scripted out as well. And so maybe for the first five, six months, seven months or so guys getting nothing, right? 200 views, 175 views. I'm like looking at, it, I'm like, man, I'm like, YouTube must really hate him or something. So I talked to him about, I was like, so, so what's the deal with that? And he's like, well, I, I just broke out of YouTube jail. I was like, wait, what? And so I looked at his YouTube and now he has a video. He has a short there that has 11 million views. Another wow. one has 2 million views. Another one has 1.1 million views. And he's gone from like 
he had like no subscribers, like maybe like a thousand or so. Now he's up to like 54,000, which is great. And the channel has 19 million views. They're all in shorts, which is like, that's, we'll save that for another day. So I've Go never ahead. heard of YouTube jail, by the way. How, how did he claim that he got out of YouTube jail? So his theory, and here's where I'll, we'll go, we'll debate on whether there is one or not. Cause I talked to another YouTuber like two days ago. Um, his theory is that YouTube wants to see what you're all about. And then sometimes the algorithm takes a while, um, to understand what it is that you're, you're trying to do. Right. And also here's, here's the other, um, when I had a conversation on Monday, this is a really good analogy. So I talked to another YouTuber, George Gammon. He, he, I don't know if you're, when you're at my event, he was the first speaker. He talked about macro, like gold. He yeah. talked about where the economy is going. So he's like, look, you know, at the end of the day, YouTube, when, if you're a YouTuber, you're an employee of YouTube. It's like they want to see if you're going to stick around for a while. They want to see if you're going to be consistent and they want to see that you're going to be consistent about what you're going to talk about. Cause ultimately they care about one, uh, their ad revenue and two, are you going to bring consistent ad revenue? I was like, Oh, that makes a lot of sense. And so that is the whole theory around YouTube jail. Did I answer your question? Yes. And, and I don't think there's necessarily a jail jail per se. I think what happens is if you create a lot of good videos over time, the algorithm just gives you more love. I don't really look at it as like a, a jail. I look at it as more so you're building up your reputation, your authority, right? Google calls it eat expertise, authority, trust. I know YouTube has a different algorithm, but I bet you it just takes a little bit of time for you to show them that you have eat. And once you have it, you or their version of it, you start doing better. And of course they want to see good engagement metrics as well and not people not putting out crap content. I just like the the whole analogy around like if you're a YouTuber, you are an employee of theirs, right? Because if you think back to, back in the day, like when I used to post, I'd be getting like 20, 30, 50,000 views per video in the marketing niche, right? Which is pretty good. It's the moment that I started being inconsistent and started talking about other things that it's like, oh, like think about it. If, if you hire someone and they start doing other things after a period of time when you need them to do one thing, you're probably going to fire them, right? Or at least if they're going to do the new thing, you're going to you're going to take some time to see if they're actually good at the new thing, right? Um, you know what's interesting too, Neil? Like when you're when you post your channel right now, I, I'm observing it's we, we take some of these episodes here, right? And the longer ones do way better um, from from what I've seen. So going back to the engagement metrics, the average view duration, all that type of stuff, it matters. And also one thing to keep in mind with YouTube, it was much easier to do well four or five, six years ago, just like most social platforms. Once they get a lot of people, a lot of competition, they become more picky and then they start cramping down on reach. Uh, it also yeah. helps them generate more ad revenue. It's the same so, with any social network out there. That's really how they do well. Now you could say, oh, but look at Mr. Beast. Well, Mr. Beast is creating mainstream content um, that appeals to pretty much everyone. And that kind of stuff does really well. It's much harder to monetize though. And people forget, you know, that. how long it took him to get to 10,000 subscribers. A few years, seven years. Yeah, I believe very that. long time. So look, it's, um, it's not, you can call it YouTube jail if you want. It just depends on how you look at it. Right? Like if you want to phrase it like that, you can, at the end of the day, it's just, are you consistent? Are you providing value? And is your video providing value? Like, is it, is it up to par? with the other videos that you're competing with. That's what it is at the end of the day, right? And then ultimately you'll get rewarded because I, when I was talking with George on on Monday and also um, the guy that works with him, Josh, um, they, <laughs> Josh was like, your YouTube channel is shit. He's like, and the, the, the thing is like, both of them are like, dude, there's so much potential because your, your content's so much better. It's just like, because I've gone back to long form podcasting now, it's like, it's gonna take some time for it to be recognized again. But you know, it's like, 
that's that's all it is. And, and what George showed me, this is where I was going with this, but um, he showed me his YouTube graph and he was publishing these whiteboard videos. They would take eight hours to prepare and these like 30 minute videos. He's teaching about macro and all that. And he published three per day. So he's working 80 hours a week publishing these YouTube videos. And really it took him three to four months or so to get the play. Um, all of a sudden he went from like 200 views a day to like 70,000 views a day, just in a, in a span of like two, three days. Right. But it's because all of a sudden YouTube started to recognize it. And he thought first there's a bunch of bots coming to his YouTube page. Um, but at the end of the day, he, he increased, he got out of jail faster. If you want to look at that, because he put an insane amount of hours and he published a ton. Right. So that's how you might look at it. Like it took him three to four months, but 80 hour work weeks. Or if you look at Patrick, he spread it out over a year or so and that's that's how it worked anything else neil nope all right that is it for today please don't forget to rate review subscribe and we will see you tomorrow hey girlfriends it's me carol fisher back with another season of the global number one podcast the girlfriends last time we investigated the murder of gail katz this time we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season show us big risk can yield big rewards, like Rob Riley, the creative head of one of the world's leading advertising firms. I try to create environments where anybody can say anything without any judgment. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcast.